uh, it's not over when you lose. It's only over when you quit. You are now tuning in to the Roughnecks Podcast with your host, Cole Nixon. Much love. I really hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. If you do, then be sure to subscribe, rate, and review, then pay a simple cheap fee. All I ask is that you like the episode and then maybe share it with a friend you think would enjoy it as well. Help continue to grow this podcast and share the words of wisdom from all my guests that joined the show with as many people as possible. As always, be sure to grab the bull by the horns and take control of your life. Let's get into this week's episode. podcast this is the 65th episode of the podcast and i have an old friend of mine who i go back with a long way to be honest uh, without further ado though tristan landrum welcome to the roughnecks podcast yeah thanks for having me yeah man i've been wanting to do this for a while uh it's been i try i think i tried to get you on a while back but you're so busy with everything that you always have going on that you don't always have time to hop on here and record but i'm glad i'm finally able to get you on considering i've known you for a long time it feels like I think I don't even remember like it was maybe like second grade when I first met you third grade or something maybe even first grade I don't remember down there at uh, Kirkersville Elementary though yeah yeah we go uh, way back um, into the elementary days it's pretty yeah. cool I think my first memory of you that I have is you were in a wheelchair because of something that you did is what we'll discuss today, but you uh, were in a wheelchair popping wheelies with your wheelchair out there on the blacktop in Kirkersville Elementary. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that sounds about right. And the weird thing is too, we didn't even really know it at the time originally that uh, you know my brother-in-law a little bit as well, who, because I remember one time, you know, since my brother-in-law raced and I was like showing him like, yeah, I went to school with this kid. And he's like, is that Tristan? And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) he was like yeah i know who he is i was like oh okay (laughs) but i like to start out every episode allowing my guests to give a background on themselves so tell us who tristan landrum is and what what you do yeah so uh pretty much all i do right now is uh race dirt bikes about every single weekend and uh right now is my off time but uh I, um, I mow quite a bit during the week as well for my dad's uh, business. And then um, on my free time, I'll, uh, I like to go golfing and uh, go hunting whenever I can. But uh, like you said before, I'm super busy, so it's kind of hard for me to get into a bunch of that. But um, yeah, pretty much that. Uh, my free time, like I said, I like to golf. I go cycling quite a bit. But um, there's... There's not really a whole lot that goes on besides uh, dirt bikes with me. When what was the, like the time frame of your season usually for say? Uh, so normally uh, my main my main races, which is the Grand National Cross Country, they start um, at the end of February, and they will go clear to the end of October. Um, we have like a month and a half, two month break in the middle of summer, but um, then there's all kinds of races in Ohio, and uh, I like to hit those to kind of stay in it and not uh not get too lazy with myself so 
I, uh, I'm still racing every weekend, but we have a little break off in the summer. That's kind of nice. But other than that, it's pretty much from February until the end of October. How old were you when you actually, like, how long have you been racing? So I started when I was uh, four years old. I raced a um, fair race. I don't, I don't really remember it too well, but um, it was, I'm pretty sure my first ever race was the Hartford Fair, actually. Oh, hell uh, yeah. For so, the people around this uh, area know exactly. That's why I feel like there's a yeah. lot of people around here that might be their only race, but it was the first time they ever raced was there at Hartford. Yeah, so that was, I'm pretty sure that was my first ever race there. And uh, I, I don't really re remember it too well, but my grandpa, um, he always tells me a story about uh, when I would come over the finish line, I would uh, slow down and wave at him. But <laughs> like I said, that I was four and uh, I don't, I don't really recall that too much. So I've been racing 18 or 19 years now. That's crazy. What exactly was it that kind of like got you into it? I guess almost like what keeps you going with it too? Uh, my dad got me into it. Um, there was, there's pretty much no way around it. Um, he wanted me to race dirt bikes. And I, I mean, from the time that I could walk, that's, I loved it. And um, yeah, so he's, he's, he did a bunch of riding when he was younger. And then my grandpa rode quite a bit too. My dad didn't. He raced some when he got older and out of sports, but they were more like into sports. And my dad, um, he wanted me to get into racing right off of that and like start early. So that's what I did and pretty much have looked back since. Yeah, because I remember a good old Miss Belli's class back in high school. There was times where you'd be gone on Friday. You wouldn't be in class on Friday because you'd be on the way to like South Carolina or something for a race or what have you. Yeah. Um, yeah. School was tough. Um, I mean, you were actually homeschooled for a little bit, weren't you? Yeah. I homeschooled my eighth grade year and homeschool wasn't for me. I don't really like sitting there staring at a computer all day. I kind of like, like around everybody and like watching stuff to try to learn it. And uh, so homeschool definitely wasn't for me. I mean, it was good because I was able to go and be wherever I needed to be. But like you said, I've there I missed a lot of school I mean if when there was limit days I mean I was nailing every single one of them <laughs> <laughs> but you got to do it do it you got to do what you got to do essentially and I mean everybody knew what why you were missing school and like it it was almost a passion of yours like it's hard to tell a kid hey you have you I mean I get it like you need to be in school but at the same time like you're chasing a dream of yours and it's hard to tell someone not to chase their dreams in the same time yeah it was it was super difficult because uh, the teachers would, they would definitely get on me and stuff. And I always did good. I didn't ever have bad grades. That was the one thing is, is if my grades dropped, I wasn't allowed to be going down South. So I always stayed on top of my school. It was just the, they had the rule of certain days and all that. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it would get a little, it'd get a little complicated every once in a while, but we got through it. But you're currently, I believe number 704, correct? Yeah. Is there yeah. a reason behind the number? Because I feel like a lot of people have a reason behind their number choice. Is there a reason behind the, uh, the reason you picked uh, 704? Yeah, so I've been 704 for almost my whole entire racing career. And um, so it's my AMA number. And your AMA number six uh, numbers long. And mine's 809-704. So it's my last three in my AMA. And with it being my AMA number, like wherever I go and race, if somebody else like would have my number, 
like like if I wanted to complain about it, they would have to take theirs like and put like a cross through it or something because it's like that number is designed like designated to me. So that's kind of why I just ran it. Like it's it's not really a rule. You can run whatever your number you want, but like if it came down to it, like that's my number. And I, I just ran it ever since my dad knew the rule when we when I was real young and he put it on there and we just stayed with it. So what exactly is an AMA number for people who may not know exactly what it is? So every time, so like uh, certain races, like my uh, Grand National Cross Country Series, you have to have an AMA card to race it. So it's kind of just like, it's just like a little membership for uh, um, dirt bike racing and uh, a certain events you have to have it. There's some that you don't have to have it, but that's just pretty much what it is. It's just a little membership card. But you're also... You know, you got that, you got the hat on right now, the Phoenix hat, you got the sponsors and whatnot. What is that feeling like? Like when you got that first sponsor, what was that feeling like? Yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy. Um, I've always had quite a bit of sponsors and people here and there helping me out. And uh, I mean, honestly, in our sport, if, if it wasn't for little sponsors there, like you wouldn't make it nowhere. I mean, it's to be able to compete with some of the kids and guys, it's, it's like, it's pretty hard and it's a lot of money. And yeah, uh, I was going to say, and it's, it's an expensive, uh, freaking a sport. It, like people don't realize how much money goes behind it just in travel alone, not a lot. And then you got to include the dirt bike and all the, everything else behind it. It's a very expensive sport. Yeah. And then, so last year, um, last year I got a, a, a message from one of the mechanics down at Phoenix racing and he was, uh, he told me to get a hold of him. And I mean, as soon as I got that message instantly, my heart was pounding. I'm like, Oh man, this is like, this is what I've been working for. It's like, like, let's go. So I got a hold of him and, uh, it wasn't a like for sure thing right off the bat. It was just kind of, Hey, like we're looking at you. And, uh, I still had some nationals to go and, uh, I ended up breaking down one national and that kind of hurt me a little bit. And I was like, man, like, now they're going to just be like, no, nah, we don't, we don't want him. And then my last national, I was able to kill it. And I won and got one of my best overalls in the nationals. And, um, and then it just, from there on, like, uh, I went to one of the races and, uh, talked to the team and everything seemed to be going good. And then, uh, I went down January 1st of this year and, um, picked up one of the Hondas and, uh, headed to Florida right after that. And I was in Florida for, I was in Florida for like seven or eight weeks training and getting ready for that. And then we started off the year with a, uh, a second right off the bat and just kept grinding away all, all summer. So I, I got to ask this question. I meant to ask Chaney cause I had Kyle Chaney on this podcast also. And, you know, I was talking and I was looking, thinking about it, like, cause after races and stuff and you guys are doing your little interviews or whatever, and you're like, I, you know, you go through your list of sponsors. How the hell do you guys remember that shit? Cause there is a long list with some of you guys. Like if you watch freaking Supercross and stuff, like they go through a list that can get lengthy. How do you guys remember all of it? Um, I mean, after a race, there's a good chance that I'll miss some. So, uh, <laughs> We have uh, Instagram, social media, which I'm not too fond on social media, but for that kind of stuff, I mean, we have to have it. And uh, so I have a, I have a, um, a list of our sponsors copied in my notes, and I'll just copy and paste it every time. But 
on the podium, it's super hard to remember. Sometimes you can just kind of glance down at the bike because we have like our mm-hmm. their logos on the bike. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Some people are really good at it. I'm I'm horrible at it. Once I get <laughs> there, uh, I kind of don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you kind of mentioned it like you went and picked up that new Honda. So is there like a learning curve almost like a, almost like a just a comfort thing getting used to the bike when you get a new bike every time? Yeah, it's I mean, when you uh, like I was on Yamaha and then I went to Honda and they're uh, they're both Jap bikes, so they're kind of similar. But um, I felt like I was going to be perfect right off the bat. And uh, I I like the bike right off the bat, but it was uh, the suspension was just a little bit different here and there. And just the feel of the bike was a little bit different. So, yeah, it took me it took me a couple of days to get used to it. But uh it wasn't too bad and then yeah we just I kept learning stuff I mean there's still sometimes I go out and I'm still learning stuff here and there about it but I've got it pretty well dialed now so I wanted to kind of talk about your racing career and some of the memories that come with it and like some of the stories that go with it the first one I have to ask is like what's your favorite racing memory that you have like favorite win what is it um well and I know after so many years of racing, it's almost hard to kind of narrow it down to just one time that is one of your favorite memories. Uh, probably one of the biggest memories is um, my dad made me uh, uh, he made me a bet kind of, and he said that if I win a GNCC championship, which is my biggest series that I race, he said that if I win a championship, he would buy me a pit bike, which is a pit bike is just a little bike that you mess around on kind of just a little play dirt bike. And uh, when I was younger, I mean that I wanted one so bad. <laughs> so he told me if I win a GNCC championship, uh, I'll get you one. And then, I mean, we took off the season and uh, in the youth bikes and, uh, and right now in amateurs, if you win nine races, then there's no way somebody can beat you in the championship. It's locked up. So I had won eight straight races and we came into our, uh, our race that was in Ohio where, uh, like all my family and stuff come to. And my dad pretty much knew like, okay, he's one eight, like I'm going to have to get him a pit bike. (laughs) So, uh, I actually showed up at that race and he had already had the pit bike there. He already went and got me. So I was super excited about that. And then I was able to win the next day and win my championship. So that was that was pretty cool. And I still have my pit bike to this day. It's, uh, it's not really rideable right now. It's kind of tore apart in the shop and it's been tore apart for a couple of years, but I still have it. So another one that I wanted to ask, like you, cause you've raced in a handful of different States. I mean, how many States have you honestly off the top of your head? Do you think how many States have you raced in? Um, I've never went, I've never went past Indiana and then I've raced every state from, clear down to Florida. Um, I've raced up in New York, but I've kind of just, I've just been in like the East coast States, not really like further, uh, the furthest I've went up to New York and then I've been down to Florida and then all the States in between. Um, and then, like I said, out to Indiana, Kentucky, uh, South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, West Virginia, uh, Georgia, just pretty much all the Southern States clear up here to Ohio. Which one is your favorite to race in? Because, I, I mean, the dirt is probably a little different. Like, the track conditions are almost – are they different in every state almost? 
Yeah, they're they're quite a bit different. So uh, my favorite my favorite dirt is when we go to Indiana, as long as it's not like uh, super muddy or like like if it's like as we would say, perfect dirt is when like when we're turning, like we're not sliding on, we're just sticking to it. And Indiana probably has the best dirt. Um, but then, uh, yeah, so like if you go to West Virginia, it gets a little bit rocky. Virginia is kind of rocky. And then North Carolina, sometimes you have like kind of like clay and uh, and then you get into South Carolina and you'll get into kind of some like hard packed dirt where it gets, it's kind of like, it's closer to like pavement sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's pretty hard. And then some parts of South Carolina has sand and then Georgia has like red clay and it's, uh, it's not too bad. Um, it's horrible to clean because it does not want to come off the bike. <laughs> uh, and then Florida is just straight sand the whole time. Um, and it's fun. It's fun to ride in the sand. It's, uh, our races are three hours long and it's not the funnest to race in sand for three hours just yeah. because it's like, it's just physically it, it's horrible on your body. Like you're constantly fighting your bike. Like if, if you get lazy one bit, you're, you're going straight to the sand. Yeah. And then that sand, sand, that's the thing. Like even about going to the beach that I struggle with sand, once you get it on you and it, it gets freaking everywhere. Like I'm yeah. sure when you take your clothes off after the race, you you're just dumping sand out of your boots out of freaking every, like it's just keep coming yeah. out in piles. Um, yeah. I forget where I was going next. But uh, I completely forget the question I was going to ask. I'll take it to this one. Um, what is your worst wreck? Because I'm sure you've had a handful of wrecks that you've gone through. Which one can you do you think is the worst one that you've had? Um, so I had a I had a crash not. It's probably been five or six years ago. Um, it was actually down in Logan, Ohio by Hawking Hills. Uh, I was just out practicing and, um, I was riding like, so we get our suspension done our and our bikes and stuff. So, uh, I was riding a brand new bike that had just bone like stock suspension. So it's like made for like a way heavier guy. Cause it's really stiff. Well, I was just out having fun riding and, um, we were riding this, uh, it's like a gravel quarry kind of place. So it's kind of like got like sand in it, but it's got gravel in it also. And, um, I was just going down the straightaway kind of right by my dad on this little track that we were riding. And, uh, so my bike just kind of kicked out a little bit and, and it didn't really scare me. I mean, I've been in that situation a lot. Most of the time I can like catch it. Well, with my bike just having like suspension, that's super stiff. It just bucked me. And then, somehow my boot got stuck on my handlebar and then it like cartwheeled and flipped me and I wasn't able to get off my bike because I was like stuck to it and it kind of just beat me off the ground a couple of times and flipped me and then uh I'm not flexible like at all and when I like because I like closed my eyes because it started it was like I was in a tornado I was just going every way well when I like opened my eyes my chin was like touching my knee and Mm that's i'm not flexible at all so that <laughs> it didn't hurt me like it obviously it like the back of my hamstring was definitely sore because i've never been that far stretched but luckily i didn't break nothing it just it knocked the crap out of me pretty good and it scared it scared my dad pretty good too but i've had a couple big crashes like that that'll it's kind of weird like a crash like that sometimes like sometimes you'll get a little cocky riding and uh sometimes a crash like that'll kind of 
it humbles you, back you a little bit. Yeah. Sometimes you need something like that. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask. Like after a crash and stuff, is it one of those two? Like it's, I mean, you're a crazy MF or like if it, we've always known that, but like, you know, when it comes to it, like that crash, does it take you a second kind of get back? I mean, I'm sure in a race, you got the adrenaline. So you're good if you like lay the bike down or whatever, but does it kind of give you that for a second? Like, all right, I need to slow down. Like you almost slow down for a minute. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Sometimes you'll, uh, you'll think twice about doing some stuff for a couple, uh, couple rides after it, but mm -hmm. then you kind of end up losing it here and there. And, you, and then the older I get the, they'll stay in my head a little bit more, like a little bit longer, but, um, yeah, they definitely, they'll, uh, they'll, they'll have you thinking sometimes. Yeah. But like you, you deal with adversity all through every race. Cause like, I mean, like you said, your races are three hours wrong, long. There's something that's going to go wrong. Almost. I mean, I'm sure it's inevitable. Like you're going to go through something with your bike or the track conditions. So like, how do you handle that during a race? I'm sure it can be frustrating at times. Like when, you know, things aren't going your way, but how do you handle that during a race when you're going through all these things that might be going wrong? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's crazy. It's, it's something different almost every weekend. Um, like, uh, you know, it took me all the way up until this year to just realize, I mean, in a three hour race, it's not like, it's not about if something's going to go wrong. It's, it's about when, because something, something is going to go wrong. It might not be big. It might just be something small and it's, uh, uh, it, it's definitely tough. Um, I've had my days where I react the total wrong way and, my results will show it and then I've had my days where I've just not even let it bother me and come back strong and that's that's a big thing this year is um when the day gets bad it's just honest to god it's my results end up being on how I react to that if uh it's just like anything if you have a complete like bad attitude about it like I'm probably gonna have a bad result and uh it's, it's super hard I mean it's really hard sometimes uh to just stay positive when stuff happens, but I'm, I'm, I'm still learning it that it just, it's 10 times better to just kind of brush it off and just keep going. Man, you hit, I think you hit that perfect. Like everything you said, like, you, like you, there's times that like you, once you learn, like there's nothing you can do about it. So you might as well just essentially take it on the chin and just keep going, keep grinding. Yep. But what, so take me through exactly what the GNC is a GN, GNCC, right? Yeah. yeah what exactly yeah. like what the type of racing is for the people who don't know what it is like is it trail riding is it like a what you see on tv like what exactly is it so it's uh yeah it's 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 normally like 80 to 90 percent woods so trails and um we have arrows that we follow and uh so we'll line up in like a field and there's like certain rows and they have like your class marked out and um though uh like you have like a riders meeting kind of before we race so we're all in our correct rows and they'll make everybody shut their bike off and then uh they kind of go over like the rules of it and then uh there will be a track marshal which is like the guy that lays out the track and he'll uh he'll kind of get on the loudspeaker and he'll like tell us like about the whole track which uh we already know the whole track i mean we have these bicycles that are uh they're called e-bikes so they have they're electric so i mean by the time we race we've already done three or four laps around the track so we know everything that's coming at us um like i said the track will be marked with arrows and they're uh they're anywhere from 12 to like 
13 miles. Sometimes we'll have a long one. Um, uh, but yeah, they just, it just varies kind of depending on how big the property is, but yeah. So they'll, uh, they'll go over the track and then, uh, we'll get to racing. And, uh, so the front row, like the XC one pro will take off the fastest dudes. And then it kind of just bounces back through the rows and, uh, it's separated by one minute. And once they throw a green flag, like our bikes are shut off, they throw a green flag. And as soon as they throw the flag, you start your bike as fast as you can. And then you take off and then it's, it's three hours until the finish of the race. Um, so it's kind of, there's a little bit of pace in that you have to do, uh, but it's kind of, it's actually a lot of strategy. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty much how it goes. The race was. So how many people are usually racing like against you? Um, so against me, my class, we normally have about 20 to 25 kids in it. And then, uh, the overall, so like the whole number of the whole race, there's normally, I don't know. I think there's normally 300 riders in the afternoon and the afternoon is like the more advanced riders. There's also a morning race right before us that is two hours long. And it's kind of like the, like the older guys and the riders that don't have as much experience. They have a race before us. That way they're not out there having to deal with like the pros come flying up on them and scaring them and stuff like that. So they get the race before us. And there's normally, there's normally like 500 riders, in that race and then there's also there's also uh youth riders that race before them at eight o'clock in the morning so you know like you kind of talked like you're going through the woods and you have i'm sure there's more than just one path you can take how do you go about choosing like you i know you go through with the e-bags and stuff but how do you like kind of pick a good path what makes a good path to take yeah so you so the from the arrows you have 25 feet of each on uh each side of the arrow that you're allowed to go unless there are certain rules like um like we have these placards and they're uh they're kind of striped um like these striped signs and they go on each side of the track and you have to go in between those you're not allowed to go on the outsides of them so we'll have spots where you have to go in one line but then um yeah like just sharp turns if you're able to kind of like cut them a little bit and like make the strap make the track straighter or like mud holes sometimes mud holes get like super wide and obviously if you go in the wrong spot you'll be buried um so you got to be smart when you come into sections like those and then uh, there's hill climbs where there'll be lines all over the hill but yeah so you just you pretty much have 25 feet on each side of the arrow that you're allowed to go. Um, and then if there's, if there's spots where they think you'll cut, they'll, uh, they'll just put like ribbon up so you can't go mm -hmm. through it to kind of even it out. But yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty hard sometimes because when we go out and cycle, we'll, you'll try to find the best line possible. But I mean, on a 12 mile track, I mean, there's 10 to 15 different lines. It's so hard to remember them. Mm -hmm. so is there anything that you have a pre do you have a pre-race ritual is there anything that you do before every race or after every race that you it is every single time i mean my my hydration's pretty much the exact same my uh i, I drank pedialyte quite a bit um but you also can't overhydrate because then it's 
I mean, almost, you'd almost be better off dehydrated. Um, so my hydrating is pretty much my only ritual. Like I try to stay on the same exact thing that I do every weekend. And then, uh, Sunday is a lot more strict when I'm about to race. I, uh, I normally eat, um, I normally eat a bowl of oatmeal and a banana in the morning, or, um, I like to eat pancakes, uh, in the morning. And then I can only eat a sandwich from about 11 to 11:45 before the race. And I mean, one sandwich is everything I can do to get it down, but I know I'll need it in the middle of the race, but pretty much those two meals before I race. And then, like I said, I just, my drinking, my, my hydration is about the only thing that I pay attention to. Those two things are really the only thing that I kind of do the same every weekend. Yeah. I think that's something a lot of people like I, from a football standpoint, I kind of understand what you're saying because you're going to be sweating a crap ton underneath all your gear that you have on. That's where people, yeah. and it's hot, like it's hard, already hot. And then you got all this gear on. That's like, you're just dripping sweat. So like the hydration part, people don't, some people can underestimate that and it can end up ruining the race for them. I feel like if they don't hydrate the correct way. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's, um, there's, there's times where I've, uh, definitely like, so like when I take off in a race, if it's like my very first lap and I already start to feel my mouth kind of getting dry, then I kind of know like, okay, I'm, I probably didn't drink quite enough today um i also wear a fanny pack camelback so i'm able to drink while i'm riding and i typically don't drink a lot out of it it's kind of hard for me to drink while i'm riding i don't know it's just it's weird because when we're the like the speed that we're going it's i don't really think much about drinking and then i'll uh i make like five or six drink bottles as well so i'll make the like a gatorade bottle i'll drill the lid of it out and i'll put like a hose like a kind of smaller hose about the size of your pinky in the top of it and i'll have some kind of electrolyte in that and i will take one of those like i said however long the track is if, if we're going to do six laps i normally try to at least have five bottles that i get in me um and then sometimes i take these little energy goos at my pit stop because we stop once or twice and uh i'll try to get like some caffeine in and um but other than that, there's not a whole lot to it because you can't really put stuff, weird stuff in your body when mm -hmm. we're going that hard or you end up getting a, your gut will like knot up on you. Yeah. So you're like, you're currently in the off season and I kind of want to talk about the off season because you, like you said, you do a lot of cycling in your free time. What is a normal like cycling? Like how far is it normally for you? Um, so right now I'm cycling. I will do, uh, they're about, the past two weeks I've done two days I'll cycle on Thursday and I've been cycling on Sundays and um I don't really have a distance that I go but I have to cycle for an hour and a half um so like the like my last cycle that I did I think it was like 26 miles which is kind of just average uh mileage but yeah it just depends on what kind of what my day looks for like looks like I have a I have like a set program that I'm on right now. So I just go base off what it says. So what, like what, take us through, like, what is the off season? Like, like what are the off season workouts and that kind of stuff? Like, what is it like for you guys? So, I mean, it's kind of different for everybody. Uh, some people take more time off than others. Uh, 
I took, um, so my last race was in the end of October. And I think I took almost exactly two weeks off, maybe three. I can't remember. Um, and I kind of didn't do nothing, no cardio, no lifting. I just kind of hung out and let my body heal back up. And then, so my workouts that I've been doing now, uh, it's a bunch of its weights. Um, and it's like, it's quite a bit more like uh, lower body, like legs, just because it's better to have a stronger lower body for racing. You don't really have to have like a super strong upper body. Um, so we've been, I do, I don't know, it's about three days a week of legs workouts. And it's quite a bit of like one day it'll be deadlifting. And then my next workout may be, maybe uh like front squats we do i do a bunch of front squatting and stuff like that and uh and then there's a bunch of like mobility work that i've been doing too because like i said i'm not i'm not flexible at all and my new trainer is uh we're kind of going after that hardcore right now since it's not really race season we can work on stuff like that but right now we're just strength training and um we do quite a bit on a rower too the rowers uh it's awful <laughs> uh, I, I had a, my workout tonight was uh uh we do like these 500 meter sprints and they get they get pretty difficult but um yeah so it's right now we're just pretty much strength training and like I said I'll do a couple of days a week of cardio but not a whole lot and then uh when the season starts back up it kind of switches a little bit we do we still do some uh weight training but not as much it'll be a lot more of like cardio running and cycling and stuff like that and riding I mean when I'm able to ride obviously that's what I do is race so I mean there's nothing to replace that I, I need to ride as much as I can how much time do you spend actually like riding like practice riding essentially before a race and whatnot um so like before a race week, I normally try to get two days in of riding. I normally try to like do a Tuesday, Thursday or like a Wednesday, Thursday. And it's not, it's not really a whole lot. I'll do, uh, I normally do about an hour and a half to an hour, uh, each day. So normally like two, around two hours, two and a half hours sometimes during the week. So not like, we're not like no 10 hours a week on the bike or nothing like that. Just kind of kind of just staying in it that way I'm like refreshed for the race and then after the race uh the following week sometimes I'll do a little bit more riding just because I don't have to be ready the following weekend for a big race so it, it just kind of depends each week's different it seems like yeah how much time do you usually have between races so my nationals will uh like when they start we normally go every other weekend so it's two weeks I'll have uh some there's I think there's two there's two races that are separated from that are separated by three weeks but most of the time it's just every other weekend all the way until the break and like I said we have like a two-month long break and then it's every other weekend four rounds after the break and then it's over mm. so the final question I got for you about racing though is if like what are the goals of your racing career where do you want this to end up I mean, I would like to make it um, all the way up into the XC1. Um, 
and be able to compete up there someday. Uh, I need to start. I need to start getting a little bit faster, though. That's that's my main goal coming in this winter is I need to pick up some speed. And uh, next year at this time, I need to be ready for the XC2 Pro, which is the 250 Pro class. I need to be ready to race in that class um, next year. So I need to uh, I need to pick it up a little bit this winter and uh, ride with some faster guys and just get some more speed and uh, just keep working as hard as I can. Do you have a group of guys that you normally like to, that are you normally are riding with in your practice time and whatnot? Yeah, there's a, I've got some buddies that, uh, they're not from Ohio. So, uh, we're always together. It seems like in Florida, we kind of live with each other. There's a group of us that'll go down there and live last year. Um, it's going to be different for me this year. Um, so last year I was living and there was like 15 of us training every day together. So it was fun. And I mean, there was, I was living with 15 of them and, I would say that I was only faster than probably a couple of them. So I, we, I was living with some like fast guys. There was, uh, I mean, the, the 15 guys there, they're all really good riders, but there was some really fast riders there that, uh, I mean, there's sometimes I would do a 30 minute moto and sometimes they would lap me. So that's good for you too. Like it helps. Yeah like you said, you need to start riding with faster riders, like riding with people that are better than you helps improve yourself. Yep. Yep. So I have one question that I like to ask every single one of my guests and it's a fun one. And I'm interested to hear it from you, but it's, if you could go back in time and tell your 16 year old self one thing, what would it be? Um, probably that, the tough days when I was 16, um, they're not actually tough. <laughs> they're honestly, wait, just wait till you become an adult. It gets worse. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I mean, I'm sure my tough days now aren't even that tough. I'm sure it just keeps getting tougher and tougher, but, um, there was a lot when I was 16. Um, yeah, there, there was some stuff that I would have liked to done a little bit different, but, um yeah probably just the tough days back then weren't really that tough mm -hmm. yeah it's crazy to like look at because I do it all the time where I remember like being back in high school and stuff and like the problems I would thought were just like the end of the world and then I like got to college and I'm like well I didn't even worry about that but then I'd have these things in college that are like this is cr like the end of the world now I'm out of college and I'm like yeah this is it's like this is nothing compared like you I had no problems back then I don't even know why I was complaining yeah <laughs> It just keeps getting worse and worse, which kind of sucks. So the whole adulting thing, I'm not a fan of it. Yeah. Yeah. You mean I got to pay bills? No one told me about this. <laughs> but this leads us yeah, into exactly. the best segment of the podcast, which is Motivation Monday. Motivation Monday is the point in the episode where I allow the guests to give the Roughnecks listeners a little inspirational bump to set the tone for the week as they listen on Monday morning. So what do you got for Motivation Monday, Tristan Landrum? Uh, Motivation Monday? Oh, yeah. If uh, it's not over when you lose, it's only over when you quit. That That's probably my favorite one.
I like that because that's where a lot of people like we've talked a hundred freaking times with it that it kind of goes comes back to it all the time and it's you know like your losses will teach you more than your wins ever will like yeah. going through those struggles going through the things that went wrong is better for you because it's a better learning experience you learn a lot more from those losses than you ever will with those wins yeah and I'm yeah, sure that's... that's the same in your racing career like every bad loss you have like the wins because Kyle Cheney talked about it on his episode you know you go through these wins and like you don't get as much satisfaction like yeah you're satisfied but it's like coming back from a loss or something or you know coming back from when you battle from behind and it's like those struggles are what makes it more satisfying yep yeah that's uh that was that's funny we're talking about this me and my dad we were just we were just talking about this a couple weeks ago that uh it's crazy to look back um I think I was I might have been 18. It's been a couple of years ago. So I was probably 18 and um, I, I was just getting, it didn't matter. Like uh, it, no matter what national I went to, I, I was getting beat. And, um, and I ended up, uh, I think I broke my foot when I was 18 or 19. And then I came back from it and it was just, I mean, I was losing here at my locals and, uh, I was, it was a super low time of like my racing career. There was a couple of times where I was like, man, it was like, is this what I want to do? And uh, it's like with racing, it's almost like you can't, like if you're asking yourself that stuff, you almost, you almost need to just stay home the weekend. Mm -hmm. You're either all in and going to do good or it, it, you're done. Like not done, but like, you're not going to get a good result. And uh, I kept, I kind of kept doing that just going back and forth. And it, I mean, now that I look back on it, like I'm glad I went through it because it taught me, like it taught me how to lose. And uh, it's so weird saying that, but like, I feel like that's with anything you you've got to learn how to lose or like, you're going to be kind of, I don't know. I don't, I don't really know how to explain it. It's weird. I know, yeah, just, like, cause you have to, yeah. the nobody likes losing but it's about yep. how you handle those losses and you learn over time how to handle those losses. Cause I like, let's, when we were young and everything, like we go through stuff, we hate losing. Like we get all pissed off. We start yelling, we cuss, whatever it is. But now it's like, all right, I lost. What did I do wrong? And how am I going to fix it? That kind of stuff. Like that's where, as you get older, you start to realize like you have to take that loss on the chin and just grow from it. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, it's weird because like uh, I'm, I'm, I'm racing in a class right now that uh, a couple of my competitors or most of my competitors are actually a couple of years younger than me. And uh, you know, there's, they've, they've just kind of got that younger mentality where like we're like where we used to, like, it's just, they, they go at it every single weekend full bore. And like, I used to be the same way. I never thought, I never thought about the bad things like, uh, like some, like, you know how it is, as you get older, you start to think a little bit more. And, um, I was just saying that, uh, I was just telling my girlfriend that earlier that it's almost like, like, I feel really good about this year coming up because I feel like I'm like way more knowledgeable and I know exactly what I need to be doing. I know like how much work needs to go into it. And I feel like, uh, it's, I didn't really like I won my last race but it's almost like I learned something by winning that last race that I think is going to help me a lot coming into this year 
Well, it just goes to show experience is key. And that's where that can go into job force, whatever it is. That's where people, you know, you come from the kind of the blue collar styles all well, like where people like complain, like, oh, this, you know, this person's making more money than me. Yeah, they have way more experience than you. Like they know a lot more than you do. And it's not to say that you're not knowledgeable, but like experience is key and it will always trump anything. Yep. Now you have to know how, what to do with that experience, but that's a, that's a whole different story. Yeah. I, th- I feel like I've always had good experience. Uh, but now I've just got to apply the hard work. I know that, uh, I know that I've gotten out work here and there and, uh, some of them kids, they still just have that kid energy in them and, uh, they can go for three hours and get done and I'm sweating and they're, I'm sitting there like, Oh my God. And then if I look back, I'm like, man, I was the same way. And you know, it's just the older you get, like, I just know now that like it, the harder I work on this off season, the better I'm going to be off. And uh, so it's just all about like coming into this year. I mean, they always say it like you're only competitions yourself. And I mean, it's true. Like the, harder I go at it with myself, the better and stronger and more grittier I can be. A hundred percent. And with that, that's a wrap on the 65th episode of the Rough Decks podcast. Appreciate you coming on, Tristan. Where can people follow your racing career if they want to uh, watch you? Yeah, they can. Uh, my Instagram is uh, Tristan Landrum. Uh, pretty much all my stuff goes on there. Uh, some of the stuff will go on to Facebook too. And the same as just Tristan Landrum. But other than that, yeah. Wish you the luck and uh, the rest of your racing career. I'll definitely be keeping tabs on you. I always watch your Instagram videos and whatnot. But next week, we have a guest making a reappearance who you won't want to miss. He's continued to improve his career. It's kind of crazy where he's at now compared to where he was a year ago. And where he was a year ago was also kind of crazy. But you won't want to miss that. But you guys know the deal. Life is hard and is going to knock you down just like a bull does to a bull rider. Don't let the bull of life walk all over you. Get up. Grab the bull by the horns and take control of your life. Roughnecks, out. Thank you guys for tuning in to this week's episode of the Roughnecks podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, then do a couple things for me if you would. Subscribe, rate, and review so you don't miss any of our future episodes. Then share this episode with a friend so that we can continue to spread this podcast and share my guest stories and advice. You guys know the deal, though. Until next time, be sure to grab the bull by the horns and take control of your life. Roughnecks, out. Oh, thank you.